I want to talk about Yishmael. I want to summarize the topic of Yishmael. And the question that I want to deal with is, why did we need Yishmael? I don't mean it in a modern context. I think if there was no Yishmael, maybe there'd be no Arabs. I mean, no be Arabs, everybody would love us. I'm not sure that that's really an option. But um, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that, uh, say, they say Yishmael didn't exist. So, everything would be fine. I mean, eventually, a God could have promised Avram Avinu that he would have a son, and the son's name would be Yitzchak for some reason or other, and that would be the end of the story. What do we need? Yishmael. I mean, this is like a big general question. In order to understand the answer to that question, I want to introduce two psukim. The first two psukim on the sheet in front of you, but before I go on, I want to just mention that this Motzei Shabbat is the 12th Yorzeit of David ben Avram Abba, whose uh, family is uh, is close to Atid and the Web Yeshiva, and they support and help us. And I wanted to uh, mention that this year, tonight, is dedicated in memory of David ben Avram Abba, and the Shoma should have an aliyah, as the Hasidim say. It's always, it's always something important. So we'll get back to Yishmael. There are two psukim about Yishmael that I want to introduce in the discussion before we talk about before we talk about Yishmael. The first pasuk is the first pasuk in uh, on the sheet. By Yikbaru to Yitzchak v'Yishmael banav el marata machpela el marata machpela as they Ephron. Ben So the Pasuk talks about the fact that the burial of Avram Avinu, the burial of Avram Avinu was done by Yitzchak and Yishmael. By Yitzchak and Yishmael, that's the end of the parish of Chaye Sarah. Not this week's parasha, but next week's parasha. Rashi says about Yitzchak and Yishmael, Mikan he says, he says two things. One, that Yishmael was engaged in this mitzvah. He was engaged in doing a mitzvah. Uh, why did he want to do a mitzvah? He must have done tshuva. That's what, that's what Rashi says. Furthermore, Rashi says that the order of the names in the Pasuk, Yitzchak v. Yishmael, even though Yishmael was the older son, but Yitzchak has priority in this uh, in this uh, particular uh, in this particular pasuk. Uh, in other words, Yishmael recognized the fact that Yitzchak had certain superiority, spiritual superiority, and therefore he goes first when two people are equal. So the older person, right? But if there's a clear a uh, distinction between them. One is a uh, a great Talmud Chacham and the other is is not. So the fact that you learn it, that takes precedence. So here, Yitzchak went first before Yishmael, even though Yishmael was older than, than Yitzchak. So Rashi says, Rashi says that Yishmael, in order to participate this way in the burial of Avram Avinu, must have done tshuva. 
wiped out his past history and became a new person. And that new person was not only a brother, again, because previously Yishmael had been sent away, but now he was in brotherhood with uh, with uh, uh, Yitzchak. And uh, that's, that's a change. You know, it's like Rashi, Rashi inserts this optimism. And as we will see, it's reflective of the fact that Avram Avinu was right. And that Sarah was wrong. And even though the Pasuk, in the Pasuk it says, it says B'feirush, HaKadosh Baruch says to Avram Avinu, listen to her. Right, and Rashi is the one who said that she had prophecy. And she, what did she say? She said, kick out, kick out Yishmael. And Avram Avinu listened, but he didn't want to. So you see, at the end of the day, Avram Avinu was right. Because Avram Avinu was optimistic. He knew that Yishmael was a bad guy, but he also maintained optimism. He maintained this optimism. The optimism was that uh, that that he would be all right. You know, like they say. You know, sometimes parents are like that. They have kids. Everybody else is a terrible kid, and but the parents are optimistic, uh, and that's as it should be. Avram Avinu was optimistic about Yishmael, and he was right. I was right because at the end he did shuva. Okay, so that's one thing, one pasuk I wanted to uh, uh, introduce. The other pasuk that I want to introduce is um, uh, in this week's parsha, the beginning of Akedat Yitzchak. Right, everybody knows uh, these pasukim because we we lay them on Rosh Hashanah when people are liable to pay attention. Right, it's a shorter laning and it's Rosh Hashanah after all. The people, many people think they should pay attention. Um, this week is Vayera, we also read the Akedah, but it comes at the end of the Pasha, so I suspect that people don't pay such close attention. But listen to the first Pasuk. The first Pasuk in Akedah Yitzchak says, Vayahi achar advarim ha'ileh, Vayelokim nisat avraham, Vayomer lab avraham, Vayomer hineni. So we know that each phrase is in the traditional interpretation by Chazal, each phrase is of significance. The first phrase is, Achar HaDvarim HaEle, where the antecedent is not clear. Achar HaDvarim. I mean, it's true that there are other places in the Tanakh which start in that way, but it doesn't make it really less of a of a question. What do you mean, Achar HaDvarim HaEle? What Dvarim? Then Velokim Nisat Abraham. God tested Abraham. So you have all of those questions. Why test Abraham? And what's the point? And doesn't God know how it'll turn out? And, and you know, God doesn't have to give a test to find out what his score is in some competitive exam. He knows what the, God knows the score. What is Elokim Nisat Abraham? Vayoma Elab Abraham. And so he calls out to him. Now this is truly also a common thing. It's common in the, uh, in the Torah that God calls to people by their name. But why here? Why, why is it that God called Abraham and then Vayomer Hineni? What does Hineni mean? Does it mean, you know, Hineni? So listen to Rashi. Rashi deals with all of these questions in a wondrous way. He says this. One, you know, that's 
When Rashi explains Agadita, I think I told you, when Rashi explains non-halachic statements in the Torah, and there's a machloket amongst the Chachamim of what it means, Rashi quotes both sides. Rashi quotes both sides because there's no methodology to determine who's right. So Rashi said, like, it, it, when it comes to halacha, you look at the Shulchan Aruch. Somehow the Shulchan Aruch came up with a, like, what we should do. But when it comes to non-halachic matters, there's no way to determine who's right. And Rashi respects that. And so he quotes both things. Now, beyond that, you could say that Rashi felt that both interpretations were very important. I mean, I could, I could buy into that. That's fine. But the method that Rashi uses, you see again and again that Rashi quotes both sides of a machloket in a non-halachic question. So what's the non-halachic question? What dvarim? What are we talking about? So Rashi says, Rashi says, Now here, you know, people who have a little bit of literary sense will figure out a good way to translate the word satan or to exchange it for something that's more meaningful in modern in the modern world. And you know, if I was a rabbi, I would do that. But since I'm not a rabbi, I, I just have to, you have to realize that for Rashi, the Satan was real. I mean, in Eov, the book of Eov, the Satan has conversations with God about Eov and how Eov is fooling everybody and sort of acting, you know, very firm, but put to the test, Eov would fail. Uh, what was the test? What was Eov's test? That everybody would be killed. His whole family, all his flocks, everything that he owned, he'd end up with nothing. So he passed the test. It was a difficult situation. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pray, uh, physical, physical, uh, uh, So that Satan in Eov is represented here by Rashi. The same Satan. The same person who said that Eov is not a good person. That same Satan, right, I don't know what he's doing in the interim, right, well, b- between you know, one thing and the other. But the same Satan went to God and said, Avram Avinu, would say nasty things about Avram Avinu. He says, Do you know that Avram Avinu never sacrificed? Now, you can't do it now, but if you had like a little computer in your head, you would go through the parish of Lech Lecha. And in the parish of Lechra, there are several instances of Avram Avinu building a Mizbeach. Something happened. God spoke to Avram Avinu, told him the good news, built a Mizbeach. But there is no place in the parish of Lechra where it says that Avram Avinu gave a sacrifice. No place. That they took, he took from his own property and he sacrificed it. Now this, in spite of the fact, this in spite of the fact that who did give sacrifices, according to Chazal, Adam Arishon, right? According to the Chumash, Cain and Hevel, and according to the Chumash, Noach. So it's hard to say that Avram Vidu had never heard of this idea of giving a korban, and that Avram Vidu had never heard that a korban is a religious act. Like that's what religious people do. People who, who, who have an awareness of God. 
What do they do? They give korbanot. What is it that, what is it we say about Avram Avinu? What do we say about Avram Avinu? He said, because su'udasha sa'avraham. Right? Anything he ate. Lo hikriv lefanecha par echad o ayo echad. He didn't sacrifice any of the animals that ended up on his table, right? You know, steak, the steak came from something. Not like today, where the steak is born in saran wrap. And you go into the, into the supermarket and you take a, like a saran wrap. Number six saran wrap, number eight saran wrap. In those days, they actually had cows. And the steaks came from the cows, or the bulls, or whatever, whatever. So he says, Avram Avinu never gave a korban. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? So I'm, I'm saying, you know, uh, uh, now let's forget about the satan. Even though I, I think that the satan is the same satan in the book of Eov. But as for us, this is like a little remarkable. Because it's true, isn't it? Are you trying to outfox Rashi? Well, wait a second. Hang in there. Rashi also knows that. So Rashi says, so Rashi says, Amalo, HaKadosh Baruch says to the Satan, I don't know exactly what that means. Literally, it seems to be something, everything Abraham Avinu did, he did for his son, to have a son. So you mean if he didn't give a carbon, he did it for his son? I mean, that's a little, I, I don't quite understand that, but, uh, okay, however you explain it, Kluma but no, Avramidu lives for his son Yitzchak. Ilu hayiti lo lo If I would tell Avramidu to 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 sacrifice his son, I mean, like I don't get the beginning and the end so much. You mean that this is a greater sacrifice? You know, people who give who take cows and sheep and and rams and sacrifice them to God. That's because they don't want to sacrifice their flesh and blood to God. It's sort of like a, something like magic. If you sacrifice your cow, it's like you're sacrificing yourself. If you have a cow. If you don't have a cow, you can sacrifice birds, maybe. I mean, that's, you know, in the, the various halachot of the Beit HaMikdash. So that, that, is it by implication? You mean like Adam Rishon and Cain and Hevel and Noah? They should have sacrificed their sons, but they didn't want to, so they sacrificed uh, animals. I, I don't know what it means, but but at the end of the Rashi, it's understandable. In other words, you say, okay, Avram Avinu will give everything. Uh, maybe maybe some people will give a cow, but Avram Avinu will give everything. What's everything for Avram Avinu? Everything is his son. That's the first part. That's the first part of Rashi. So Rashi says, Achrei Dvarma Elu is a conversation with the Satan, and Elohim Nisat at Nisat Avraham, in order that everybody should know who Avram Avinu is. Because they had a bad, that they were thinking badly of him. They say, here's Avram Avinu, he goes around, God gives him support, all the cows have baby cows, and etc., etc., et and, uh, and he never gives anything back. Now they're going to see that he'll give back everything. He won't just give back, uh, uh, he won't just give back, uh, uh, what he has, but he'll give back his whole future. He'll give back his inheritance. He'll give back children. That's what, that's what Rashi says. The first part of Rashi. The Yeshomrim, I told you there are two opinions in the Gemara and the Medrash. Yeshomrim, there's another opinion. Achad Varav Shal Yishmael. 
that this Akedat Yitzchak follows follows the 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 discussion that hap, that Yitzchak had with Yishmael. What was the discussion? Shaya mitpa'er al Yitzchak. He would be high and mighty compared to Yitzchak. Shemal ben that when Avram Avinu, his father, came and said, now it's a time for, to circumcise you, he was 13 years old. Velomicha. And he didn't say, he didn't say, no, I'm not in this group. Well, like, I'm, you know, I'm out of this. I'm going somewhere. In any event, he was out of it. Right? I, I mean, I mean, it wasn't like Yishmael was, uh, was a great tzaddik. Sarah saw him laughing. And Rashi says, the worst of the worst. That was Yishmael. So Yishmael goes to Yitzchak and says, you know, even though it didn't mean that much to me, I didn't, I, I, I didn't deny Avram Avinu's authority to do this. I did it. And I was 13 years old. You, only one limb uh, of your body was involved. In your fear of God, if God would say to me, Yitzchak said me, that God, that, that I should sacrifice myself to uh, to God, I should give myself up. I would not, uh, I would not ignore it. So that the second interpretation of Rashi places Yishmael in center stage, not the Satan, but Yishmael. Right? And what is Yishmael? He's the driving force. He's the driving force for Akedat Yitzchak. Why is there Akedat Yitzchak? To prove something. Uh, what's the difference between the uh, Yeshom Rim, that it was the Satan, and Yeshom Rim, that it was the, the uh, uh, Yishmael? If you say it's the Satan, so who's being tested? Aramavina is being tested. If you say it's Yishmael, that who's being tested? Yitzchak is being tested. And we all know that that's the simple pshat. That simple pshat in the psukim in Akedat Yitzchak would say several times, What does that mean? That they went together. What do you mean they went together? Avram passed the test. Yitzchak passed the test. They both, they both had had a challenge. They both had the challenge. Avram Avinu was challenged because he had to give up everything since God had explained to Avram Avinu that the purposefulness of his life is to have a child. And that child would carry on, carry on the idea, like whatever the idea is. And Yitzchak, he knew that he was the child and that he was the promised child. And he didn't know it had any expectation that there would be another, another, it is a, that is, uh, like this general question again, what we were talking about before by Akedat Yitzchak, was it hard or easy? Is it hard or easy to sacrifice your son? Well, if it's your idea, it's probably hard. But again, like, you know, it's like a Kierkegaardian interpretation is that God said, God said, uh, uh, sacrifice Yitzchak, he said to Avram. So Avram would have said, uh, what about uh, all this talk we had about uh, Yitzchak being the father of a great nation and having a lot of children and it going on? 
So God would say, look, that's God's problem. God could do anything. It's not, it's not an issue. It's not an issue. So the Avram Avinu, that's the, that's the raya. That's the raya when the angel comes down from heaven and says, Al pas lo He says to Avram Avinu, don't do it. So that's how it really was supposed to be. Because it's inconceivable that God would have denied God's promise. Right? God said that Ahmed is going to be the progenitor of many generations. Everybody understands that if he doesn't have any progeny, he can't do that. So when God said, said, that, that everybody understands that, that it was just the willingness that God afterwards, de facto, that we know there was only whether Avramida was willing to go, whether Yisrael was willing to go with him, because the promise is the promise. Let's look again at the Rashi. The Rashi says, Himini, Kain, Kachi, and the Atam Shel Chasidim. This is the way Chasidim, you know Chasidim? Not, uh, not people who wear long black coats and woolen hats. Chasidim are people who walk the extra mile for a mitzvah. That's what a Hasid is. A Hasid comes to Davin an hour earlier so that he can get into the right mood. Get into the right mood. Uh, I mean, you know, today we don't do that. I guess you're always in the right mood or something. If you come a little late, it's okay because you've been in the right mood all the way. The Gemara, the Gemara says you get Shachar Halicha. You get Shachar Halicha for certain mitzvahs. Like you go to a mitzvah like you go to sit in your sukkah on sukkah, so you get schar halicha. But davening is, I mean, you have to be there. You have to be in the shul. Because the shul is, is like a special place. The sukkah is not a special place. The sukkah is like getting out of the special place. So there's a difference. In any event, The second pasuk here says, "Vayom kachta et bincha jichidicha shahavta yitzchak v'lech lecha leretz amoriyah v'alei usham leolah alachad ha'arim asher omar elecha." V'ha'aleu, you see in the next Rashi, but not the beginning. So three or four lines from the bottom. V'ha'aleu lo amalo shachtehu. Right, the pasuk doesn't use the verb shin chetet, which means to. Uh, to slaughter. So, so that what is it that Rashi? Rashi is, what Rashi is saying is that it's true that God misled Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu thought that he was supposed to really sacrifice his son. But when the angel came down and told him not to sacrifice his son, so Avram Avinu understood that the original tzivui, the original command was, Va'aleusham le'olah, just set him up there on the Mizbeach, as though he was going to be an Olah sacrifice. That's what that's what Avram that's what Avinu said. However, if the whole point, as Rashi says, if the whole point is to prove to the world, to prove to the Satan, to prove to Yishmael, that that either Avram and Yitzchak or the combination of Avram and Yitzchak had the serious nefesh, 
of the kind that they had not seen before. So this doesn't really exactly prove it, unless you could say, I don't know what you could say. You know, when it comes to Jews, we don't say machshav is mitzvah the ma'ase. In other words, in, in other words, Avraham didn't do it, right? He didn't sacrifice his son. So if he didn't sacrifice his son, how is the world going to be so impressed? We're only going to hear the beginning of the story and not the end of the story. So when I used to learn this, I used to say, really, this story is a story for us. It has nothing to do with the Satan, it has nothing to do with Yishmael at the end of the day. It's in the Torah because it's there to teach us something. And so it teaches us a variety of things. One thing it teaches us is that the serious devish has a limit. You can't just give up everything. Not even God wants you to give up everything. God wants you to go on and keep doing Shabbos and keep keeping Yantav. But in any event, that's what the first two psukim of, uh, are about. Now I'd like to learn or review, let's say review a few other psukim. A few other psukim. Breshit Perek Tadzayin. Breshit Perek Tadzayin is in Lech Lecha, right? No, Lech Lecha. Right? Breshit Perek Tadzayin. Is, is in Lech Lecha. So there's a story. Sarai Eishet Avram, lo yadal lo, v'rashu chem is Shridish v'haga, v'fele Sarai l'Avraham, v'neina atzarani Hashem iledet, v'oda el shivchati ulai v'adem imena, v'yishma Avram l'kol Sarai. So everybody knows that, that, uh, in the ancient Near East, you know, like, in the ancient Near East, which is where we are, we're in the ancient Near East, that there were, there were wives, and there were not wives. You know, and the difference between wives and not wives, were, that's how you do with privileges. Like what the children of the wives had certain privileges, and the wife, and the children of the non-wives, and the non-wives had fewer privileges. And then there was something in between. And Hagar is the in-between case, where Sarah has a pundakait. Pundikait. What do they call that in English? What? Oh yeah, surrogate mother, right? She had a surrogate mother. I mean, not biological, not biologically, but lemaaseh. Hagar was a surrogate mother such that the children that she would give birth to would be the children of Abraham and Sarah. That was the idea. So that in Pasuk... Uh, in Pasuk Dalit, it says, We have all Hagar Vatar Vatera Kiharata Vatekal Gevirta Be'edel. So it seems that Hagar didn't play according to the rules. She thought, she thought Hagar, that she would be able somehow to achieve the status of Avram Avinu's wife. Or a wife. They have more than one wife. But she didn't like the status of being the surrogate mother to the children of Abraham and Sarah. And therefore, it says in, uh, it says in the Pasuk, Vatekal Gvirta Be'enel. She thought little of her mistress. Vatekal, light, Gvirta Be'enel. She didn't think much about it. She, she acted, um, she acted badly in the face of Sarah, which I think means that she acted as though she was Avraham's wife, and not as though she was Sarah's uh, surrogate. 
ותומס הרעי על אברהם פסוק ה' חמסי עליך אנוכי נתתי שפחתי בחיקך ותראה כי הרעת והקל בעיניה ישפוט השם ביני ובין החזושי make this dramatic statement what is ישפוט השם ביני וביניך what are those words what might those words mean what is ישפוט so Sora is what to judge but Sora is referring to are accepted legal norms in the ancient Near East. Right? There, there was such a thing. There were rules. You, you couldn't just do whatever you wanted. So, Yishpot Hashem, it's as though Sarah says, God also agrees that she's doing the wrong thing. I gave you Hagar. She is mine. And she wants to be independent of me. Can't be. So what about Yaakov? What's ya- or Abraham? What's Abraham's position? That she's right. That's Abraham's position. I mean, even though the second time this happens, Abraham changes his mind a little bit. But right now, what is Abraham's position? That she's right. And if she's right... So do whatever you want to her. Punish her. I mean, that's your prerogative. But ta'aneha. But ta'aneha means she, uh, she punished her. But tivrach mi paneha. And so Hagar ran away. Vayim tsa'er malach Hashem. What is, what are you, how would you interpret vayim tsa'er malach Hashem? I don't mean translate. Translate, I'll translate. And she was found by an angel of God. And what does that mean? Well, the Torah says, Right, Sa'el Malach Hashem. You know, from time to time, people are lost. Or they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And along comes Malach Hashem. So what is the function of Malach Hashem in this kind of play? Right? It's a play. And, 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 uh, we have to move the characters from here to there. Or we don't know how to do it. There's no reason that to go from here to there. So the person who writes the play calls it a bunch of foxes. And they start yelping over there. So you run over here because over here you're running away from the fox. That's what they do. So what's Malach Hashem? Malach Hashem redirects the divine uh, watchfulness. In, in other words, it says something about Hagar. It's not just to save her from being wandering around in the desert. They will save her. But I want you to know that Hagar is part of is part of the story. She's not there accidentally. If she was there accidentally, Malach Hashem would not hear a conversation with her. She'd be getting a note. She'd find a note under a rock and say, go back or something. But Malach Hashem, that indicates a tremendous or a, a serious amount of concern that heaven had for Hagar. She's in the story. So what does the Malach Hashem say? Say Pasukhet Vayomer Hagar Shivchat Sarai Emizebat Vaana Telechi Vatov Bnei Sarai Gvirti Ani Barachin So the so the the Malach starts out by coordinates. You know, coordinates. Like where are you? No, we don't do that anymore because we have a GPS. So it doesn't matter if I know where I am as long as the GPS knows where I am. That's that. But in the olden times, if you wanted to tell somebody where you were, you had to know where you were. No? Isn't that like the, uh, uh, the simple truth? It's only today 
today, like it's a reflection of, of the world that we live in, that you don't have to know where you are. It's like a silly question. Well, not such a silly question. You call somebody on the phone today, and, and when I was a kid, where you called up to somebody on the phone, you said, hello. Today, you call somebody on the phone, and you say, where are you? Because when they called me on the phone, everybody knew where I was. I was connected to the phone. And everybody knew where the phone was. So I was going to ask, where are you? I mean, I'm like three feet away from the phone. But today, because you have these other kind of phones, so the question everybody asks is, where are you? But if you have a GPS, you don't have to ask that either because the guy at the other end also has a GPS. You know, if you have an iPhone, so all the GPSs are connected somehow. I don't know how this works exactly. But if you press a button, you can find out where whoever you're looking for is. Like, you don't have to own it. So you don't have to say, where are you anymore? Because it comes out of your phone. Go back and suffer. That's your job. Who gave you the job? The Malach. The Malach is a Malach Hashem. Hashem is the director of history. Right? Everything comes from God. So, so Hodor, who came, who started out her career as an accident. Right? It would seem she was an accident because Sarah had this woman. He says, oh, maybe she could be a you know, a, a good replacement. Uh, but no. She's in the story. He says, he says, the Malach says to a God, wants you to go back. And if you have to suffer, you have to suffer. Because you're part of the story. You, Hagar, are part of the story. What story? The story of Abraham. I mean, the story of Abraham is the main story. So here we are. It's very common in the Torah and in the, in the, in the Tanakh to have these reduplicated verbs. Reduplicated verbs. Grammarians, this is like a rule I'll tell you. In spite of the fact that Professor Spolsky is here, I'll tell you a rule about grammar. When grammarians say something is is for emphasis, it means they don't know why it's there. The word emphasis is a buzzword for I haven't got a clue. So harba is often if you look in the dictionaries you'll see it's there for emphasis. Why do you need emphasis? What's the difference if God says you're gonna have a lot of children or God says you're gonna have a lot of children, a lot of children, like what difference does it make? You know, like, uh, or, or they say, mot uh, tamut, a very common phrase in the Torah, right? Mot tamut. What does mot tamut mean? You'll surely, you'll surely die. If it only said tamut, then you'd be dead, but that would be surely. It would be, you know. So, so, it's like some things, some things we don't know. So here it says, of course you know that the punishment that God gave to Chava, Chava, remember Eve, Boaz, Harba Arbe, Etzvonech Veheronech. Harba Arbe, Etzvonech, which means, uh, there are two problems, two grammatical problems. Harba Arbe, why do you need two verbs? And it's not Etzvonech Veheronech, it's Etzvonech Shel Heronech. It's the pain of pregnancy or the pain of childbirth. It's not pain and childbirth. Right? It's, uh, so that has a name also. 
grammarians get that a name that sometimes above doesn't mean and A and B, but it means A of the B order. A like B. Or A modified by B. Even though there's above, it's a modifier. And of course the grammarians know that because otherwise it doesn't make sense. So that's also another way that you know things. So now look again. That's a pretty good bracha. Who got that bracha? Lo Yisafemirov, Avu Ravinu, in the Brit Bain Habitarim. Akkadish Baruch says, I really go out and look at the stars. How many are there? Uh, you know, I don't know. That's how it's going to be. Right? So what is, what is, uh, what does God say to Hagar? What does God say to Hagar? Hagar bet Zarech, Lo Yisafemirov. In other words, Hagar gets exactly the same bracha that Avram got, that Sarah got, right? The same bracha. What doesn't he? She, what bracha doesn't she get? What bracha doesn't she get that Avraham Avinu got? Eretz Yisrael. Good. She doesn't get Eretz Yisrael. She gets Asher Lo Yisafemirov, but she doesn't get Eretz Yisrael. I mean, she maybe she doesn't know that she didn't get Eretz Yisrael, but she didn't. We know that because Avraham Avinu got both. Now we're up to the next pasuk. Which is similar to the Malach that told Sarah that she was going to have a son, right? No? Like, you're just like cooking all of these things. They're all the same. So Hagar is right. <coughs> what is she right about? That she's really Avraham's wife. That she's not a surrogate to Sarah. And that Sarah was really wrong. And why did, why was it that Sarah was able to chase her out of the house or force her? She didn't chase her, but she made her so miserable that she ran away. Why was Sarah able to do that? Because the encounter that Hagar had with the Malach could not be had in the house of Avram Avinu. But had to be had in some neutral place that didn't belong to Avram and Sarah, in which God tells it tells uh, Hagar that she is exactly like she is Sarah. She is Avraham Avinu's wife, without a doubt. Vayovel lo malach Hashem inechara v'yoredet ben ben v'karat shemo Yishmael kishama Hashem el on yech kishama Hashem el on yech. In other words, the birth of Yishmael is forever. Is forever. Uh, uh, the crystallization of a moment of faith. Yishma Kev. God listened. Why did God listen? Because she deserved it. She Hagar. She deserved to have God listen. So God says, this moment will be forever. How so? You will call your son Yishmael. After what? After this encounter of the Malach with Hagar, when Hagar was the, discovered who she really was. So call him Yishmael. Uh, okay, so he's not going to be a great scholar. He won't be, he'll be, he'll have a different aspect. What it is exactly we don't know, but in Hebrew is an interesting thing which, uh, uh, it says Pera Adam, right? Pera Adam. 
translated could be like a wild man, like a like a crazy person. So you know that it it runs contrary to regular um, Hebrew usage. If you want to say in Hebrew a red house, how do you say it? Or a big house? How do you say it? Buy it. Gadol. You know, it's the adjective follows the noun. Yes? So how about para adam? It's the opposite, right? It should be adam para. But that's only, you see, if you said adam para, that would mean he's an adam. And sometimes he's a para. But if you say para adam, it's like you're saying, really, his name, the noun is para. He is para all the time. Sometimes he's Adam. Like a little bit Adam. That's what... But in any event, uh, people have noted this before us today. That the, that the order of the words is not typical, let's say. Now, Pasukhi Gimel Batikrash Shem Hashem Adovei Le'a in other words, you gave me this insight, this response to God. You're the God of seeing. You helped me to see what's really going on. Living to, to live to see. Right? I am not going to die. I'm going to live. I'm going to have a son. I'm going to... I see that there's a future. And all of these, all of these things are correct. Vateled Agar Avram Ben. You see that? Who was... Vateled Agar Avram Ben. We only had that passage in the world. Who was the father? Avram Avinu. Who was the mother? Agar. Like real. A real relationship. Avram Avinu and Agar. The result of Sarah kicking her out, sending her away. Her role is finally redefined. And you see that, that Hagar knew it all the time. She knew that she was Avram Avinu's wife. And only Sarah, Sarah is the only one who didn't, who didn't know. Certainly sounds like it's husband and wife. Sounds like that to me. Okay. Now if you look at... We can't do it. I can't do the Rashi. I have to stay here for three hours. I don't want to stay for three hours. Bereshit Perek Yud Zayin. The next, the next uh, part. You see Perek Yud Zayin? Perek Yud Zayin is again in Lech Lecha, right? We'll have to do it. She's, you know, she's going to be a new person with a new name. So God informs Avram Avinu, who has now got two wives, that the wife who hasn't yet had children is the more significant one. However you, however you, uh, explain the word, however you explain the word, 
whether you say something he thought was funny, to have a cynical kind of statement, it, it doesn't imply a statement of faith, at least not easily. You'd have to like be a little bit of a magician to turn Vayitzchak into Davin Shmon Esra. Right? You could probably. You know, if you, if you have that kind of ingenuity, you could probably do it, but it's not an obvious comment on the, on the Pasuk. That he says, Pasuk Yudchet, Vayom Abraham, El HaLokim, Lu Yishmael, Yechiyeh, What's the first thing that Avram, we saw these Pasukim last time. What's the first thing Avram thinks about? Oh, his son Yishmael. That's why Yishmael is born of Hagar. Hagar is his wife. She went through this experience and it's Yishmael. He's the person, he's the child of faith. He's the child that represents faith. So again, this idea of calling him Yitzchak is a little bit annoying because Yishmael has such a wonderful name and Yitzchak has such a less than wonderful name, less than, uh, than proper, less than proper I would say. Yishmael Shma'aticha. Don't think God says to Avram Avinu that everything is changing, that Yishmael will not be, uh, well, will not be recognized as your son and will not have some sort of an importance. He may be Rachtioto, Befreitioto, Befeitioto, Bimaud, Maud, Shneim, Asar, Nesiim, Yolid, Shneim, Asar, Nesiim, Yolid. Yes, just like Yaakov Avinu, or Yaakov, Yitzchak, Avram, had Am Yisrael started with 12 tribes. Yishmael, 12 Messiahim. So, so, so as far as the promise of Zerah, the promise of, 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 uh, uh, the children and the children's children go, Yishmael and Abraham are equal. Yishmael and Yitzchak are equal. Because it all starts from 12. Yishmael had 12 children who were the Siyim, and Yaakov had 12 children who became tribes. Right? The Nesiyim, the difference between Nesiyim and, and uh, Shvatim is that Nesiyim uh, have dominion over people. And, and the tribes have dominion over land. Because that's how it was divided up in the Pasha Pinchas and then Yoshua Benun. They gave out land that Eretz Israel to each tribe. And that was even before the land of Israel had been conquered. So that the definition of Shevet is that it has a place. Even in the desert, when they camped, they camped according to Shvatim. They camped according to, like, sort of like each one had his territory for the moment, right? It was like they, they made it, then they lost it. They moved on to the next place. So all of that is okay. Uh, so, uh, so that's Yitzchak. Yishmael Yedaticha. Pasuk of Alavet Biti Akibet Yitzchak. Pasuk Kadat Vayechal Edaber Itov Vayal Elokim Me'al Avraham. Vayikach Avraham and Yishmael Beno. They call Yulidei Beitov at Kol Miknat Kaspo Kol Zohar Bashem Beit Abraham Vayamol at Pesar Olatam Beetzer Mayom Azeh. Okay, all the other ones, they're all regular. They're all Jews, right? All the Avadim and all the Bnei Bayit, according to the Halacha, they're all Jewish to some extent. 
Right? The halacha is if you have an Evit Knani, if the, an Evit Knani goes through partial giyur when he becomes a slave. And he has to accept all the mitzvot that women are obliged to do. And he's excluded from doing the mitzvot asesh as man grama, which women can do, but the slaves cannot do. Is that the, say that again? Mitzvot asesh as man grama, women don't have to do them. But if they do them, they get credit for doing a mitzvah. So if a woman sits in a sukkah, she gets credit for doing the mitzvah sitting in a sukkah because at the time of Kabbalat Torah at Har Sinai, women accepted the entire Torah. They accepted not only the mitzvot that they do, but they accepted the mitzvot that Kohanim do in the Beit HaMikdash. There's a difference in saying accepting the Torah and being obligated to a mitzvah. So women are not obliged to do certain mitzvot, but if they do them, they get schar. They get schar. The Rambam says about Talmud Torah. You don't have to, There may be reasons for women not to do Talmud Torah, but they do Talmud Torah. They get schar. I mean, there's no, uh, no question about it. No question about it. So all of this, so there's no doubt, there's no doubt that, uh, that Avram Avinu is right in circumcising all of his uh, slaves. But what about Yishmael? Why is he circumcising Yishmael? Uh, so obviously, Yishmael is in the covenant. He's in the Brit. Except that he only gets half the Brit. He only gets the Brit about progeny. Uh, is a tremendous nation will come out of Yishmael. And he doesn't get the Brit of Eretz Yisrael. Doesn't get that Brit. Um, okay. But he's in the Brit. And therefore, it's correct that Abravinu uh, uh, forced him to be circumcised. <coughs> okay, Pergudchet. Pergudchet. Pergudchet's our Pasha, right? We're finally in our Pasha. So the angels say to Avram, where's your wife Sarah? She's here, she's in the tent. I mean, everything here is, uh, you know, I mean, we've been learning Chumash for 3,000 years. So, it makes sense that we had something to say about every word. But right now, we're not doing that. We want to get certain general ideas. Again, this is called in, uh, when you get to, in Hebrew, it's called Lashon Nofel Lashon. Shova Shuf. Right? It's like two words where you could use one. In, in Latin and in fancy kind of uh, grammar classes called paranormazia. Which, you know, who knows what that means. But it means, it refers to this idea of using two verbs where you could use one. Right? This idea which is very common, uh, this thing very common in Hebrew. So it says, This time next year, She's old, he's old, she's old. So you see, in this case, God is annoyed that Sarah Tzachaka, but when Avram laughed, God didn't say anything. That's why, that's why Chazal, Rashi, take the liberty of explaining that Sochakoba Abraham is different than Sochakoba Sora, because 
because the sorrow laughing that God God was unhappy about that. Uh, okay. So this is like the this is like the whole point. It was this Hagar didn't have. Hagar didn't have that. Hagar did not have a miraculous birth. She had a normal birth. Her birth was not obviously, even though the Malach sent her back to Avram and told her to have a child, but she had a child in a regular way, in the way people have children. But Sarah is promised that she's going to have a child in a miraculous way. And because she has a child in a miraculous way, then, uh, of course, the child is going to be very special. Perikov Aleph. Perikov Aleph. Vashem v'chadet tzara k'asher amav v'yaz v'shem v'sar k'asher dibber v'tar v'telet tzara l'avrom ben l'zgunav l'avoyed v'shem dibber t'olokim. So now you see what problems can be created by a miraculous birth. Of course, he was told in advance. Also, we know that. She doesn't stop. Terrible. What is she worried about? She's worried that people will say that this baby is not her baby. Because that made any sense. She's as old as she is. She can't have a baby. So this is like a theological, there's a theological argument there where the miracles, what are miracles? A miracle is a matter of timing, but the actual event is natural, or is the event unnatural? Like, like in Yitzhak Mitzrayim, there was a mako called locusts, Right? There were locusts all the time in Egypt. So the Makkah was not that they were locusts. The Makkah was, or the miracle was, that the locusts came when Moshe Rabbeinu said they would come. Now there are other kinds of, of Makkot also. But I'm just saying, in, in later theological conversation, this is like the problem. The question is like, I, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that God, if he said this is the way the world runs, that it should run that way. And it should not be that God changes the way the world runs. You could change the timing or the appearance of a disaster. But the disaster has to be built in, right? There's got to be something there. There's got to be a tsunami. And then there could be a miracle that the tsunami takes place at a certain time. Alright, well, we haven't got time to go into this. We haven't got time to go into this. We're almost finished. Again, So how would you explain that possible? Here's, here's the first appearance of Yishmael at the party that was made for Yitzchak. The Yomi Gamelet Yitzchak when he was weaned from his mother's milk. They made a party. And Yishmael, of course, was at the party. Vateir Sarat ben Hagar Mitzrit, ben Hagar Hamitzrit. Is he Sarah? For her, he was ben Hagar Hamitzrit. What does ben Hagar Hamitzrit mean? The same as. 
Agor. In other words, as far as Sarah was concerned, she was not his wife. She was Hagar Hamitzrit. She was not Hagar who became a, a, a wife of Abraham. And who is Yishmael? Ben Hagar Hamitzrit. What happened to his name? What happened to Yishmael's name? Well, she doesn't want to say that. I shall Yodal Abraham Mitzachek. Mitzachek? What does Mitzachek mean? He's making fun of the name. He's making fun of Yishmael's name. Yitzchak's name, sorry. Good, somebody's still listening. Pasuk Yud. Vatomil Avraham. Gareish ha-ma'azot v'et benaki lo yirash ben ha-ma'azot v'minim z'yitzchak. Lo yirash ben ha-ma'azot. What does that mean? What? In what way is he not Abram's son? Inherits Yisrael. Kiloyirash means he will not inherit with my son what he will not inherit, which is Eretz Yisrael. But if he hangs around and Abram dies, who knows what will happen? And put in a claim for Eretz Yisrael as well. Because Avram said, Yishmael is my son. Hagar is my wife. Vayera ma'od. He didn't see this as being a good option. Vayome lokim alavrav alira beinechal anarval amatecha. Kol ashetovay lechasara shma bekola. Kibi itzchaki karelechazar. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Do what she says. Vegavet ben amal agoyasimenu kizarachahu. He will become a great nation. He. Yishmael. She went and she got lost in the desert and she had only a little bit of water. Listen. Mortal danger. Let me write, rewrite that. And Avraham placed Yitzchak on the Mizbeach. How's that? For a translation. Here's, here's Yishmael. He's having an experience. I mean, he could have given him two tickets to fly to Los Angeles. But no, he's not going to Los Angeles. He's going through a life-threatening experience. And, and he doesn't have any water. She can't do anything about it. Right? She wasn't there. When she heard about it, she died. She died? The Malach says to Hagar, what does the Malach say to Hagar? Malach Hagar, Altiri. What does mean? It doesn't matter. Sarah was said, get rid of him, because in the future he's going to be a terrible person. But God says, I am treating him the way he is now. That's what Rashi says. Yishmael was not a bad person, apparently. 
at that moment. I mean, he wasn't the, the, the serial killer that he would become. But he was a guy. She says, don't worry the promise that you originally received will be fulfilled and to Avram Avinu the promise I see that you you believe in God I will I will uh, keep the promise that was made to Avram Avinu to the bris Milo. so you see you see it's another possible but Hashkit and Nara, miraculously, she is saved. He grew up. He grew up. The last thing, and the Torah lists the twelve Messiahim that came from Yishmael. Remember the twelve Yishmael in the Vayat of Kedav Adbel, or Mishmah, or Mishmah, or Dumah, or Masah, Hadad, or Temah, Yitun, or Fish, or Kedmah. Twelve. Twelve. Why does the Torah? Who cares? Who, who, did anybody give these names out to their grandchildren at the bris? No. Nobody. What do you need these names for? Because it's important for the Torah to say that the promise is fulfilled. That even though on the one hand Yishmael was seen as being a, a, a difficult personality, Sarah saw into the future. When she says, by Yitzchak means, right then, and uh, what's the third one? Whatever. When she said that, she meant that she saw the future. But in the present, uh, uh, Yishmael was still a son of Avram Avinu and he deserved to be a son. So that the one thing we see, we're getting back to the beginning, the one thing we see about Yishmael was that you can't say about Yishmael, That was the deciding factor. That was the deciding factor. And if you had asked me, as I asked you, but you ask, so what do you need the story of Yishmael for? Right, this is the lesson. Without Yishmael, you couldn't have it. It wouldn't exist. What wouldn't exist? That the most important thing that you build, when you build a family, is Vayel Chushneim Yachud. That's the, the, the thing that everybody imagines. Not a hundred percent. My children don't be a hundred percent like me. But there's some, some percent where where you say, oh, you know, I did it. That's good. That's good. And that was what was being created by Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was not just the person who was teaching others about God, but Avram Avinu was the one who established the family which would become the nation that would be ready to accept the Torah. So you see, that the nation that's willing to, willing to accept the Torah has 12 descendants in it. It has 12. And those 12 descendants, as you, if you remember, we're not up to those parishes yet, but you could try to remind yourself from last year that those 12 descendants of Yaakov Avinu were not all the same. They weren't all equally good. But they were all part of the family. They were all part of the family. And once they were all part of their family then their children and grandchildren would also be part of the family. So when Moshe Rabbeinu came and said, let's go and get the Torah, everybody knew to whom Moshe Rabbeinu was talking. And they all left. Just to distinguish, I remind you of the fact that when Ezra, when Ezra 
went through Bavel and Ezra. You remember Shivat Zion? You ever, you know, returned to Zion in the in the in the Persian period? Um, a lot of people didn't come. They didn't come. They lost their sense of being a family. Uh, I don't want to talk about America today, or uh, that's that's different because. The people in America don't understand why we don't want to be a family with them and move to America. So it's like, you know, we don't, we don't, the discussion is on a different level. But you see, you see that Avram Avinu, what Avram Avinu succeeded in doing was arranging things so that when Moshe Rabbeinu led the Jews out of Mitzrayim, they all left. In fact, not only the Jews, though, some Goyim, the Eirvav, also came with them. And this all came from, from Yishmael. Yishmael could be a son of Avram, but he couldn't be the father of the Jewish people. Because these are two different tafkidim. So the Torah clarifies to us that there's a difference between Yishmael and, and Yitzchak. And if not for Yishmael, we might not have noticed the difference between Yishmael and Yitzchak. Sometimes you need the contrast, they say in Hebrew. You need the contrast in order to see what it is that you really are are interested in. And what you're really interested in is the family. Have a good